Welcome to Let's Talk Talking. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Sherry. And we want to thank everybody who gave us feedback on our first four podcasts and also apologize that it's taken us so long to get any more done. But you know how it is. When you're retired, you just work on your own schedule. <laughs> so also, we wanted to mention uh, to the people who had some issues surrounding uh, developmental language disorder that we're going to circle back to that. We, we're not... Yes, we were able to get some feedback on, on the, that maybe there are some barriers to using DLD in the province of Saskatchewan, which was unknown to, to both of us. But uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how we can get beyond those barriers. So we're going to gather some more information about that, and we'll get back to you as soon as we get the scoop, get the real down low on that. But today, we're actually going to talk about SLP shortages. Is it a myth, or is it real? So that's what we're talking about. <laughs> when when you and I first started talking about this, I think, Sherry, we came at it from two different angles. And my angle was, I felt, and this is just my opinion, I felt that school divisions in particular were not really making a huge effort to hire. But your angle was... Yes, and really, I think the bigger issue... And, and I think both issues exist, but I, I, mine, I thought, was that the job descriptions themselves are so antiquated that finally we have a lot of young professionals who say, I'm not going to do that. I, the, the jobs are beyond, beyond uh, a lot of people's um, wishes. That's not how they want to live their life to have a job like that. Right, so, right. And that's that's not to say uh, all of us old, uh, experienced people that spent the years and years uh, worked under very uh, challenging conditions and huge, huge caseloads and trying to establish um, speech pathology services in this both health and education. And again, we're a young profession in Saskatchewan, relatively speaking, and in our lifetime we've seen a lot of changes. Yeah, that's for sure. Like, I, I remember when I first started in 1982, I had 18 schools in three different school divisions. So, as you can imagine, my whole job was driving. It was just all driving. Um, and then, uh, even in 1990, when I returned to Saskatchewan and started working for health, I ended up probably within a year or two having a caseload of preschool kids of 490. So... You know, we have come a ways. I mean, things have improved, but I think there's a lot, lot more that needs to be done. Yeah, and when we are speaking about just trying to find advocacy for um, all these individuals, uh, preschool, school age, even adults that don't have access to communication services, we're st- that's our goal is to get that conversation going and see if we can create some discussion on how we can uh, improve things. I think one of the biggest issues uh, with antiquated job descriptions is uh, being efficable and and these jobs need to show and prove they have outcome um, and not just jumping on the the uh, treadmill and going as fast as you can and and hoping that everything goes well and (laughs) well I you know you say that but even as a taxpayer 
I don't want to fund positions that aren't making a difference. I don't want to fund a position where an SLP spends, you know, 80 or 90 percent of her time driving. And I don't think we have that anymore. I think things have balanced out a little bit, but it's still not to the level where it would make a difference for a lot of students. There are still students who are going completely without, and then there are students who are having only minimal access to SLP services. And I think it was years ago that you had given me the example and, and made, made me put it into a different perspective. But what if this was a teaching position? What if this was a teacher consultant rather than a speech pathologist? And so, I mean, you can read a, a little bit more about the example in the blog, but it's basically, so I'm offering you a job as a teacher and you have to travel to, um, you know, seven schools in 150 kilometer radius and uh, uh, you will be responsible for assessing each child and setting up a program and bringing the materials and um and you may have up to 175 kids on your caseload and it, so your classroom oh, your classroom yeah, classroom. your classroom is going to have yeah. 175 students yeah. and oh, oh by the way there's really no one to carry out anything that you would ask once them. you leave once you leave <laughs> the school yeah there's not a consistent way of actually um uh, getting the program up and running right uh, or someone to carry it out so yeah I again I hope you'll just take a little moment and read on our blog and and put it into that um, uh, profile and see that really they are crazy job descriptions and they have been all all along but we because again I think speech paths always wanted uh, people to get some services I mean we're willing to take and we lived in Saskatchewan wanted to be in Saskatchewan so um, yeah but in 2023 uh, we can strive for better oh for sure absolutely absolutely so um, I guess for me I don't know if we should skip ahead to this part or not because this is this is my thing is I've seen situations where there's been um, two mat leaves coming up in a school division and obviously that's something they know about ahead of time so the SLPs have scrambled to get graduate students that they could supervise and the graduate students turned out to be fantastic and then then they were employable you know right as soon as these people were going on mat leave but then the school division decided not to fill those mat leaves when they had people right there that had just had months of experience in their school division delivering services for free and then they decided well no we're not going to hire them we'll leave the positions vacant so I feel like a lot of positions are used for vacancy management and my question to you at the time when we discussed this before was why why do they do that like to me there's this there's a uh, opinion or whatever I, I don't know that they don't value us that right. and then I think well I don't know is that's maybe harsh I think they don't know what they're missing when a speech pass not there what is it that children aren't getting I think again how uh, the school boards the the administrators the principals I, I think they if they really knew what we did and that's maybe you know a little bit holier than thou or something but if they really knew what we did I think they would value us and I think my experience 
all my life was if I ever worked with a family or ever worked and had contact with uh, parents or or even uh, stroke patients or whatever, they valued me. They yes. totally valued me. Yes. They did get it and they could yes. see, you know, the... Uh, that that totally has been my experience as well is in working with individual families they are so grateful for what we can provide and so appreciative but yeah administrators i guess maybe haven't had that experience and i think again you know you might have some anecdotal information that they've run across like they've had a grandchild who stuttered or they you know i mean there may be a chance but I also say, in the whole system, how do we, how do we communicate with the director? I mean, I'm doing my job as a speech path, and it's really politically incorrect for me to kind of jump above my boss and and try to speak to the director about, well, do you really know what we do, or to even to go to board members or whatever. It's that whole scenario that when you're working, you can't kind of bite the hand that feeds you, but. I wish that everybody, all the, that leadership had an opportunity to just have us, um, or maybe through this podcast, thing, you know, system or whatever, to, to have an understanding of what we could really do and what um, the diversity of what we do. Yeah, yeah. It would be helpful in creating more credibility for our jobs and maybe then more interest in hiring people to help people that have all these communication problems yeah and maybe what we should do is um have some parents on our podcast or maybe an individual who has had a communication disorder to explain you know what it means to not be able to communicate effectively although you would think administrators would kind of know that but maybe they know that but they don't know how we fit in i'm not sure yeah yeah i'm not really sure yeah, but it, it's, it's so disappointing and disheartening when things like that happen, when SLP positions are left vacant. Because I always think, there's no other position in the school division that would be left vacant. Like, if a secretary was going on mat leave, or a teacher, or a caretaker, or superintendent, they wouldn't just leave the position vacant, because someone has to do that job. But evidently that's not the case with with speech and language so when I hear people say oh my goodness you're a speech language pathologist well you just can't find those people you're so rare I think to myself not really <laughs> well an example is when I through COVID sort of got bumped out of my um, contract position and I approached four different agencies at that time to say, you know, would you be available? Would you be interested? I'm available, and none of them were interested in me. Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or even, even having the discussion. I mean, I got cut off right at the. Right. right. Well, and I've applied for positions in the province where the position has been vacant for a year, and then it has taken weeks for any anyone to get back to me. And in fact, in the one case, the director did not get back to me. I finally had to call the director and make contact, even though I had emailed. And they said, oh, yeah, we got your email. But this apparently had no intention of calling me back. or. And, and that's 
again, where you ever, you ever came to saying, you know, let's have a podcast about this because are, are the public aware that there is that dynamic that they're right. really in these, it's the same as nursing or physicians mm-hmm. or whatever. When you are in, um, fields that have critical shortages, you have to be competitive. Oh, you have to be yes. and know and understand about marketing mm-hmm. and how you how you can market for. And there's so many things that can be done and so many things that don't cost any money. <laughs> you know, like you can advertise on a website for free, advertise on your own school website that, that you have a position available. Because you don't know who's looking at that website. It might be somebody's aunt who's a teacher and their niece is going to school and oh wow look at we have an opening like here we go or um talking to high school students about going into the field and mentoring them and helping them make contact make those personal contacts down there um and then with the positions themselves like the to the point that you were talking about that the positions are just they're a little bit hard sell. Yeah, 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 yeah. they're overwhelming. Compared, compared to yeah. the competition out yeah. there. But, I mean, I think the province could be making much, much greater use of uh, the federal funding that's available through Jordan's Principle to make the positions something that would someone would be um, wanting to look at. You know, like, you know, you have this defined caseload and you're going to be able to make a great difference with this X smaller number of, of children. I think SLPs would be interested in that. I, I absolutely, well, that was where I left off for sure is, um, I, I was working for in a contract with Jordan's principal and I loved my job mm-hmm. and I would have loved to have carried on, which is, as I say, unfortunate that I just couldn't, couldn't facilitate anything further. But, um, the other part of um i i think is when you're looking at shortage of or shortage of positions or whatever i also the fundamental part of that is where's the data where's where's that organized um needs assessment that says we need this many people and um you know these are the gaps of services and but we just don't have anything formal at all. It's just like, well, I even even within the school division, we didn't have exact numbers of children who say would have uh, developmental language disorder. How many children have phonological awareness delays? How many children stuttering uh, have stuttering? How many? Yeah, or um, hearing impairments. The any whole, any of those diagnoses. The whole lot. And yeah. so, therefore, if you don't know what your needs are, how do you know what? staffing you need to meet those needs right like it's the cart right. before the horse or right but i know you have to start somewhere but still i i do think that's a big gap in in uh, the whole uh, intervention model system that saskatchewan has at the moment yeah well just for me personally i guess to any any of the school divisions out there who are listening any administrators who are listening I would like to volunteer my service to be able to, you know, make contact with their high school students who are interested. You'd be their marketer. Ex- yeah, I could do it. <laughs> I could explain about the field and what it entails and how you get the master's degree and, you know, just the different avenues you can go down to. to... One of the other things that I do think would be beneficial in facilitating um, people to come to Saskatchewan or um, in this 
field of speech pathology is um, years ago when I, this would have been in the 80s, mm-hmm. um, they offered the um, pre-speech and language uh, year at U of S. So they offered introduction to uh, language, language disorders, and um, there were maybe two other classes. Mm -hmm. Um, It was also at a time when teachers were having to upgrade their credentials. They were going from certificates to degrees. And so there was a great need for a lot of teachers in the field to also take some of those classes. And so it was very very effective and I think there are lots of people out there if there are any of the students who took those classes maybe you could comment that it was it let people decide is this the field for me right and gave them a taste of it so a little sample and you know that would be good because they would be taking actual like the actual yeah speech and language because I was going to say now you know I think you can take your first two years from mine online so, you know, I and I know that's a barrier to some students cost-wise and also for some, you know, younger students just, you know, missing home and maybe not wanting to go away until they're And that and that's what this was, I think. Yeah, yeah was yeah. was that. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, um I think there are a lot of things that that people don't know and when you don't know it, it's it's anxiety provoking so then you think well I'll just go with something safe then I'll just do something something else (laughs) well I think both of you and I would say that it's a fabulous field to have been a part of and there have been great ups and great downs but (laughs) we've carried on throughout well there's been I I have enjoyed my career there have been so many frustrations but in terms of actually working with the kids and actually when you get to see progress, that's just, that's just, I don't know, like I'm addicted to it or something. It's so rewarding. It's just, there's nothing like it really. And I think that that would be underscored is that speech pathologists are not trained and don't, their best model is not a consultative model. It's a therapeutic model. It always has been. And, uh, you know, it was, the whole field was born out of healthcare where people were there in the hospital and working with with uh, wo- people that were injured in World War II. And uh, so, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there needs there needs to be a, a revamping of those antiquated jobs yeah. and and the de- description of what you're expecting speech paths to do so that they can have a really uh, balanced life and yeah. and uh, and that's what they want. Yes. Young people want to they they don't want those jobs that we traditionally took. Yes. took. They don't they would not take a job with 18 schools in three different school divisions in a 300 <laughs> kilometer radius like I did. They would not. Yeah, or or you know? or get up and go to work for 8 and and yeah. uh, go to the office and then I would go to the schools and then after school I would write the reports and I would leave the school at 6 or 6:30 and then I'd have a 2 hour drive home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's winter and it's really dark. <laughs> Yeah, all of those things. But yeah, we spent a lot of years doing that. And But the other part of it is also we need to have marketing. And, yes. Uh, and so, and, and yeah, and those things, I mean, we can list them and we'll probably put those in our blog, what the different marketing strategies could be. But I think um, the, the crux of the matter is we can do better. <laughs> Am I right? We can do better. We can do better and we would ask you to 
give us your comments. Yeah. We really are interested in what the rest of you have to say. We love hearing from you, even if we haven't been able to get back to you on email yet. Um, for Let's Talk Talking, I'm Cheryl. And I'm Sherry. We'd love to hear from you. Let's, Let's talk. talk.